0: Years ago in another church that I served, uh, the elders gathered together to to pray for a a man who had been to the doctor in the previous week or so and was diagnosed with a a serious cancer afflicting his internal organs. It was an aggressive form of cancer. And he was uh, scheduled to head to the specialist that week for some follow-ups, some additional tests. And for what path would lie ahead for him. And he was very concerned on that Sunday morning. He mentioned this to one of the elders who gathered the other elders together. And we prayed for this man. We, we went into just a side room for a few minutes after worship. We put our hands on his shoulders. We prayed. And at that time, I was most encouraged... By the, the response and solidarity of the elders and the need that was identified and the person sharing it and that we could be together in those moments and pray. And we were all very willing. And at that time, I was very confident that the Lord could heal this man. But to be honest, I was not at all thinking that God would heal that man. I figured chemo and radiation were in his future. I had seen it very many times in that congregation. In fact, not long before that, we had lost one of our elders in that church, a faithful, godly man who was a dear friend of mine and of our family. And God did not heal him. God took him home to glory. Our youngest son, in fact... As a middle name dedicated to that dear brother. And so as we prayed with that man and as we walked away from that time, I was not thinking about him being healed. So we turn today to a passage that talks about healing, that talks about elders and oil and prayer and Elijah And forgiveness and praise and the power of prayer. We are in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. As we continue our series, uh, listen carefully and live confidently. And I don't know about you, but I find myself in those situations where I'm praying and I'm not so confident of how I should be praying, of what I ought to be expecting. And some folks are perhaps overconfident. But I doubt most of us have a tremendous amount of clarity about healing and about prayer for healing and those kind of things. And so what happens is sometimes we wonder if the person is not healed, are we doing something right? Or when they are healed and when things go right, did we do something right that brought that about? And as we look at this passage, it's going to take two weeks actually. This week and next, Lord willing, we'll be digging into it. I don't think we'll clear up all of the confusion, but I do hope that as we look at this passage today and next week, and as we develop kind of a helpful, I find, definition of prayer that we'll get some clarity, some encouragement, because this passage is very clear that prayer really can unleash the power of God. But well, what does that mean? Let's look together. Read with me, James five, verses thirteen through eighteen of God's holy, inspired, infallible word. James five thirteen and following. Is any among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. This is God's word. Lord, we pray your blessing upon our hearts, on our eyes, our ears, our hearts, as we come to your word. We trust you will work through it. We trust you will transform us because we know it is more than pixels on a screen, ink on paper, sound waves hitting our eardrums. It is the very power of God. So as we think about prayer and look at this passage on prayer, give us clarity, Lord, encouragement and hope and a greater passion to pray. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I don't think you can read through this passage without recognizing this is a passage about prayer. James mentions prayer in every verse, six verses, six words for prayer, in fact, seven, and half of those six, three of them are commands to pray. James uses a few different words, three of which are basically just shades on the same root. One word has, uh, is, is an entirely different word, but it has the same sense of, of praying just with a matter of more urgency, perhaps. It's a passage about prayer. But if you look at the content beyond just those words in those verses, you realize this is more than a, about prayer. It's about the power of of prayer. That prayer really can unleash the power of God. Listen again to what James says in verse 15. The prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. Again, verse 16 in the middle there. Pray, that's one of the commands, for one another so that you may be healed. Again, continuing in verse 16, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And many people memorize that verse, right? And it comes out when we're talking about prayer, encouraging one another to pray, that the effective, one translation says, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That might have been a combination of the ESV and the King James. I don't know. Sometimes that comes out in different ways. But these are very powerful statements about the power of And then at the end there, James compares the great prophet Elijah with us. He says, in fact, not calling him a prophet, but basically calling him a regular man. He says, Elijah, verse 17, was a man with a nature like ours. That means, he's saying, that, that Elijah experienced the same circumstances, the same sufferings, the same feelings, the same circumstances and, and, and happenstance and hardships as you and I do. And this human, this man like us, in similar circumstances, James says, prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three and a half years. And he prayed again and the sky, poured forth rain and the earth produced its fruit. He's uh, referencing 1 Kings 17 and 18, the story of Elijah there. And in context, uh, we looked at kings years ago in the summer, and in context there, if you remember, that Elijah was very bold with King Ahab and with the prophets of Baal. And he said, yeah, summon all the prophets of Baal. All you can find. Take them up and we'll go up on the mountain Mount Carmel. And as they gather together, you know, Elijah's like mocking those false prophets. He say, maybe you need to pray a little louder. You know, maybe your God is off using the restroom. That's essentially what he says. He's very bold. And they don't effectively, you know, no sacrifice comes, no fire comes down. And, and that was the duel whoever can bring fire from heaven to light the sacrifice, that is the true God. Elijah very boldly declaring this challenge. And then when it's his turn, he says, pour some water on that wood. Pour some more water on that wood. Pour some more water on that wood. Very bold. And he prays, and the Lord brings fire from heaven. And not long after that, though, where is Elijah? Running running for fear of his life it says in 1 kings 19 he was bold before the king and before the false prophets but queen jezebel scared elijah and he ran off and if you continue the story you see that he's essentially struggling with some form of depression you know we could go into psychoanalysis and those kind of things but he's despairing of life and he says essentially god just take me now he feels like he's all alone He's miserable and discouraged. That's the Elijah who prayed that it would not rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years, and he prayed that it would rain, and it rained. He was on top of the world in that showdown with the false prophets, and then in the dark night of the soul days later, And this man was like us. And his prayers tapped into the power of God. And I believe that. And I struggle with it. It sounds like, in a way, what James is saying... That we can tap the power of prayer, not only to heal and accomplish much, but to stop the rain from coming and start the rain coming again. I, I, I was at a picnic, oh, it must, must have been 20 plus years ago, and someone asked me to pray around the campfire as the sprinkles of rain started to come down. And it was a Bible study group, about 40 or 50 of us. And so I prayed, Lord, if it is your will, would you, you know, Make this rain shower pass away. And I was rebuked by one brother who said, well, you just told God not to do it. And he made the case, tried to anyway, that God never says no. That you can get the power of God to get what you want. And I was young in the faith, and I had learned differently and Couldn't put my finger on what was wrong with that. And so now I read these passages and I hear that brother. And it leads to this uncertainty in how we ought to pray. After all, Jesus said we could move mountains from here to there. We could say to a mulberry tree, he says, be uprooted and be planted in the sea. Paul says we can do all things through Christ. Christ. Philippians 4:13, Jesus said those things I mentioned in Matthew 17:20 and Luke 17:6. Yet, I don't know about you, but a lot of my prayers seem to go unanswered. Or the answer is no. That guy with the aggressive form of cancer and afflicting his internal organs was healed. He went to the doctor later that week and it was all gone. There was nothing there. The godly elder who had just restarted serving had wrestled with the Lord's calling on his life and was just getting started and developed a brain tumor that at the end and so he couldn't even speak intelligently. He died. He was not healed then. And so I know with confidence that God will heal, God can heal, and ultimately he will heal. We will all rise from the grave, and if our faith is in Jesus, we will be completely healed and restored and at peace forever. I know that. And yet I look at James, and I wrestle and I struggle, and I I divided this sermon into at least two, because i feel like there is so much here that we especially need to look at because some of us are cynical and suspicious and some of us are way overconfident and james gives us some really good wisdom here he gives us hope and encouragement and so let's let's dig in and get a little more clarity and let's develop a definition of prayer over the next two weeks, Lord willing, that, that gives us more confidence if we will listen carefully to what James is saying, to what the Lord is saying, that to, to tap into the power available to God's people through prayer, right? How do we do that? Well, you have to engage God in all circumstances, aware of who he is, especially who he is to you in that moment. What? what Engaging God based on what's going on because of who he is. And that's, that's the way, the framework I want to look at, at this passage with, as we just kind of walk through essentially four points, two of them this week, Lord willing, two of them next week. But James gives us these circumstances that, and talks about engaging God, aware of who he is. And the first circumstance is when you are suffering. Verse 13, the beginning. When you are suffering, engage God in prayer. That's what James says very clearly. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. That's a command. Suffering is a big category. Now, the word here covers hardships like Paul's suffering in chains for the Gospel as he shares with Timothy in Second 2 Timothy 2.9. It includes the suffering of the persecuted prophets that James mentioned just back in verse 10 of chapter 5. And by by implication and in the context there, that includes the suffering of Job. James 5.11 talks about him. Sickness is a subset of suffering. Suffering is about the hardships and the afflictions, injustices, uh, trials and tribulations, persecutions, those kind of things, all of that. That comes upon us, that's that's all suffering. It could be physical, emotional, mental, whatever the afflictions are, those could be deemed suffering. And when you are suffering, James says, pray. This is the most common word here in this passage for prayer. Again, it's just a variation from a common root in the other occasions, except for that one. And, and and if you want to strip it down here, the Essentially, what it's talking about in general is is prayer is to call out to God. In some settings, to a God, but we would say prayer is talking to the true God uh, with perhaps a varying intensity or urgency the different words reflect. Uh, That would include asking for things, but it also would include thanking him and praising him for things. The very basic definition of prayer, what I want to do through... the, the as we walk through this passage, is build up a definition of prayer. And the very basic definition is this, offering up our desires to God. Right? So when you're suffering, pray. What is your desire? Most likely, Lord, that you would remove this predicament from me, right? That is one of the hopes of, and the power of prayer, right? That we would ask God. We, we call out to a God who can change everything to a God who does miracles, to a God who is in control of our circumstances, a God who even Satan himself submits to. A God who can change our hearts, who can change the world, who can put the sun backwards in the sky, who can use a few to accomplish much. That's the God that we reach out to. So when you are suffering, pray. Lift your desires up to him that God would make things right, that God would change them. If it's injustice, that he would make it right. If you are suffering, that he would relieve it. If you are afflicted, that he would remove it. All of those things. It is right and good to pray for them. That is part of the power available to God's people. We're going to dig into that some more. But one other aspect of that power is also the relief that comes by unburdening that load of suffering to God. If you, if, if you really believe God is who He says He is, then you will find some measure of relief and lightness as you cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you. 1 Peter 5.7 God is not merely... Our provider. God is not merely the one who works circumstances and can bring about miracles. He is also the one who cares for you. Who has compassion for your circumstances. That He cares about you. That you miss some of the power of prayer. you fail to tap into all that is available to you if you only pray for your circumstances to be changed. If you don't also engage in that moment in prayer, acknowledging that God cares for you, well, what basis are you appealing on? You know, often it's like, "Lord, I deserve this," or "Lord, if you do this, I will do that." That's not the equation, right? You're missing the fact that God does care about you. God knew what you were going through before you did. In fact, God knew what was going to happen before you were born, before He even created the earth and the sky and the heavens. That is God's. No, God is. He knows these things. And so part of what the power of prayer is for you to acknowledge that. Say, Lord, I know you care about me. And sometimes that makes it harder. If you're wondering how to pray along these lines, read through the Psalms. They are such rich material when going through suffering. Lament is probably the most common form of expression in the Psalms. People of God crying out to God in challenging circumstances. Read what they say. Sometimes it's, Lord, strike them down, right? And sometimes it's just how long? Oh, Lord, how long? And in those prayers, there's a relief. There's an an unloading of the burden. You know, at some point in almost every funeral or walking with someone through grief and loss, especially of a loved one, uh, I either go to myself or point them to and share with them or say it in the funeral service, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 to 23. But just that whole chapter, that whole book of lament. As Jeremiah watches the city of God and the temple of God and all the promises of God, it would seem, be literally mowed down, burned down, destroyed. He laments. He grieves. He's at a loss. He's suffering and afflicted. And God had said this is what was going to happen. And Jeremiah wishes it would be another way. But in the midst of all that suffering, he says in Lamentations 3.21, This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness never ceases. His mercies, his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That kind of promise as we bring that to God and say, God, this is who your word says you are. I hope you realize as you recite those things to yourself, there are things happening. The Word of God is living and active. And one of the ways that happens is that as you go to God's promises, as you read what He says in Scripture, you you begin to believe it even as you wrestle with it, you begin to find hope in those circumstances. And that is most what we need. There's there's a, a truth you have to be aware of when you're not suffering. Go through, maybe you're having a good day. Read Lamentations chapter 3 and store it away. Right now, when it's, when it's going pretty well, Lord, read that. Say, Lord, I, I believe this. I believe it. And then when the trials come, pull it back out. And remind yourself of who this God is in those circumstances. Meditate on it. Stick it in your heart as well as your mind. This God hasn't changed. As you're going through a dark season, as you are suffering and afflicted, your body does one thing, your mind, your heart, people, conversations, everything around you. And sometimes you need to cling to other people's hope and faith. But you're not going to be able to do that unless you've already stored that up and have set those hooks deep. It's going to be much much harder. Because sometimes it does feel like he's gone. Sometimes we're just at a loss. And it is those times when when we most need to wait on him, to wait for him, to remember he cares. You tap into the power of prayer, lifting your desires to the Lord, which included that your afflictions would change, your suffering would go away, but also... That God cares for you. That you would lay those sufferings and burdens at his feet. Now, on the other hand, our our next point here is that when you're feeling good. So that's when you're suffering. James says, when you're feeling good, engage God, singing praises. When you're feeling good, tap into the power of prayer by engaging God, singing praises. Look at the second half of verse 13. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. That's that's a command. Sing praises is, is one word. It's translated as making melody over in Ephesians 5, 19. Some of you may have memorized that verse. It's helpful to look over that passage, Ephesians 5, 18 to 20. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. Do not get drunk with wine, that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, and then this is our word, making melody with your heart to the Lord. Oh, hold that thought for a second. He's, James says if, if you're cheerful, if you're feeling good, if things seem to be going well, not merely externally, but if, if you have... might call it happiness, a lightness, a cheerfulness inside. Sing praises. Paul says, this is part of your constant walk with the Lord, that you're making melody, singing praises with your heart to the Lord, filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then Paul continues, though, in Ephesians 5.20, right after he says, making melody with your heart to the Lord, Verse 20 says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. In the context there, what I, what I take that to mean is there's a sense in which part of what's going on, why you would be singing and making melody in your heart, singing to one another in psalms, uh, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that you're filled with the Spirit and you have this attitude of thankfulness of gratitude to God. Uh, there's a sense in that in giving thanks, the word there, that, that, that it's a grace received. That you acknowledge it's a mercy from God. That, that you're cultivating this habit of giving thanks. That, that when you're feeling good, you sing praises aware that God is the one who gives this to you. That God is the one who's at work in your life and in the world. And when the things are good, that you praise Him. That you cultivate this this. Spirit of thankfulness. You know, just this week, and I have permission to share this, and, and, and I asked her if I could share it because it was just such a great picture of this. It brings both of these concepts together. I, I went to visit Marge uh, Madrick this week because she has some furniture she wants to give away. And by the way, you know, if you, if you have needs, if, you know, not just if you want to resell it, Okay, if you have a need for furniture, let me know... Um, let the deacons know, and, and, and we can get you together with her. But I, I went around her house, and she went up the stairs, and, and Marge is having trouble with, with her feet and with her hips, with her back, and she's had some surgery. She's gone through chemo and cancer treatments, right? And so she's really, she's got a walker on each floor, and, and she was just, it, it, it kind of hurt to watch her walking around. She had a great spirit about it all. And she asked me to pray, and, and I said, I will pray and I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking of the struggles you're going through and I keep thinking of that picture uh, at the end of the Old Testament. Malachi says that, that when, when the end comes you know, the lame will leap for joy and dance and sing. You know, that, that healing is coming. Whatever happens in this life that is a certain promise that God will fix it all. Our bodies will be restored and everything will be made right. And she said... She said, Master Mike, I want to show you something. And she had to, so she's over here. And uh, in, in, in the middle of nowhere with her, her walker, and she says, she says, hold on, I have to get over to a table. So she gets to this side table. And she says, what you said is so true, something like that, she said. She said, I need to be near the table because... I'm not doing the dance justice. I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at dancing. But she, I mean, just she's, she's got things on her feet. She's in pain. And we start talking about the promises of God and what God offers freely, grace, mercy, and hope. She says, I've got to dance. I'm going to be careful. I'm going to get near the table in case I lose my balance. right? And I said, I was thinking about the last couple of days, and I just said, Marge, can I please share that? Because that is what this is about, right? This is the power of God that to tap into when you're feeling good. And, and and there's actually something in that where you can can feel better in the midst of suffering, that you can find this place as you recognize the good gifts that God gives. And and Those might be future, right? As Marge was experiencing. Those might be past. Those might be in the present. But there is this truth where you you can cultivate this this thankfulness. You can tap into the power of God that will not only make you happier and and, and more content and and cheerful. Those kind of things can happen as you practice thankfulness and gratitude. But you can impact other people. No matter your circumstances, just, just with that, a happy dance, you know? And I, and I am not a dancer, okay? But I'm, I'm just realizing right now, I had no self-consciousness about doing this dance. I would never get out on a dance floor and dance. But you know why I'm dancing right now? Because Marge inspired me. I am so encouraged to see someone walking through such trials and struggles and afflictions from all that she's been through and demonstrating what I believe to be true, but I'm not certain I practice it very well. But to see someone else doing it and to say, as I asked her if I could share it, and, and, and she said, yeah, and I said, I'll be vague and everything. And she, said, I, and she said something that led me to ask, well, is it okay then if I share your name? You don't care? And she's like, no, to God be the glory exactly oh brothers and sisters that every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there's no shifting shadow james 1:17 that's where we started this book in fact we started in james chapter 1 verse 5 with this idea that god is the giving one that if you lack wisdom, ask Him. He is the giving God. That everything that we have that is good has come from Him. In fact, this is the God who so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might have life through Him. That, that promise alone, really, if we're honest, should give us happy dances, right? And sometimes stuff comes that makes it really hard to keep going and to come back to that. And it's our moments of greatest clarity and sanity. That awareness of the good gifts of God, especially the good gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, should should just lead us to this thankfulness. Should just lead us to this awareness of this is who God is. He is the God who gives good gifts. I'll tell you something else. You, you, You won't be content in suffering. You will tend toward misery and self-pity without that awareness of God. Uh, You might be able to keep it up in your willpower for for the short term, but in the long term, you will not last through suffering, through affliction. You won't last even through successes and good times if you have not cultivated this awareness of God who is the one who gives these good gifts. That it comes from him to be able to say something along as to God be the glory honestly and sincerely from our hearts with this awareness that it's a gift of God. That, that's, that is one of the pow, part of the power of prayer that we can tap into that to not only lift you and me up, but we can lift each other up. We can lift the world up. The people see that kind of stuff. And they go, what's going on with you? How can you respond to chemo? How can you respond to injustice like that? How can you respond to hardships to a lost job? How can you respond to that rude driver? How can you respond in all those circumstances with a measure of thankfulness? And you can say, because I know that every good gift comes from God. It'll give you endurance. It'll give others endurance and hope. And so as we tweak our definition of prayer, I would add this then. It's offering up our desires to God with thankful acknowledgement of his mercies with thankfulness of his grace and mercy to us you know, in case you needed further weight on, on the whole gratitude thing go 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 google sometime what are the benefits of gratitude of thankfulness of cultivating thankfulness And i, I just i want to briefly summarize i found an article that had at least 7 of them and every one of them had like a research study behind it so this is not this is not just wishful thinking. It's not just, oh, I feel like this. This is, this is science, right? This is research. Gratitude improves physical health. Research says, research says that you'll have fewer aches and pains. Gratitude improves psychological health. Gratefulness counteracts and reduces envy, resentment, frustration, regret. It increases happiness and reduces depression. Gratitude enhances empathy and reduces aggression. Gratitude gives better sleep. Gratitude improves self-esteem. Gratitude increases mental energy and resilience, reducing stress, and it seems to help overcome trauma. And there's more. But you and I know that, right? I mean, you read the history of, of, of the followers of Jesus and all that they went through. Trials and struggles, good times and bad things. And there's something different. There's there's this power available to them. We'll dig into the other aspects of this power, but to summarize this week, essentially to tap into that power, when you are suffering, pray. Aware. Not only that God can change things, but that God cares for you in those things. When you're feeling good, engage God singing praises. You do realize that, that singing is a form of prayer when we're thanking God and praying to God and talking to God. You just stick music with it in a melody or like just droning or mon- monotony for me, right? But, you know, whatever. Uh, singing is a form of prayer praise, aware that God gives what is good. And consider this week this definition that prayer is offering up our desires to God with thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. And we'll fill that out some more next week, Lord willing, including about healing and, and those aspects of it. But meanwhile, just this week, when the little sufferings, even what we might say, you know, the third world sufferings come, right? The third world trial, I mean, first world problems, that's what I meant. They're actually third world suffering. It's actually really big. But then we have our first world trials. You know, the cell phone dies. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do without Instagram or Facebook or texting? Yeah, I don't have that problem. My trial is the phone keeps ringing. When those sufferings come, or even as you are walking through more serious and challenging sufferings, engage God in prayer. Go to the Psalms this week. Pull pull out some Psalms. Go into the 70s in there, in the 60s, Psalms numbered 60-something or 70-something or 80-something in particular. See what it says about engaging God in suffering. And if you're feeling good, if you have a good week this week, engage God's singing praises. Thank Him. Do a little happy dance no matter who's around. Okay, I'm doing it. I am so stiff and awkward. Right? But look, I'm happy. Even if I have like a crazy stare sometimes. God is good. This is the God. This is the power available to you as you offer up your desires to God with thankful acknowledgement of His mercies. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we do thank You that You hear our prayers as we offer up our desires to You. Lord, I I do that now. I pray for those who are suffering, who are afflicted physically and mentally, emotionally, whatever's going on, various traumas we've experienced. Lord, uh, I pray that that we would grow in our ability to to cast those cares upon you, asking you to change things, but also in those moments to be more and more aware that you do care, that you you have sent Jesus to end those sufferings and afflictions. And that will happen. And meanwhile... We can access those. We can, in fact, feel better. Even if not physically. Even if in pain. We can engage You and sing praises to You because You give what is good. Oh Lord, we, we ask You to do these things. We, we ask You to be gracious to us. Continue to show Yourself faithful. God of mercy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.